We open, we've come to open, we have 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 come to open, we've come to open, to open, to open, to open, to open even the fountain that is filled with blood, the fountain filled with blood, we have come to open, we've come to open, we have come to open, even I, I, even I, the Son of God, have come to open, I have come to open, I have come to open, to open the realm of blood, to open the fountain of blood, the fountain of blood, the fountain of my blood, I have come to open my blood, I have come to open the fountain of my blood, the fountain that is filled with blood, my blood, 
blood, even I blood, blood I, my blood, I e I blood, 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 me more blood, em me blood, em blood, blood. I have come to open my fountain, my fountain of blood. I have come, I have come, I have come. That legenti that you would resist unto blood, you would resist unto blood, that you will resist unto blood. Legete that my blood, let my blood carry you, let it carry you, for it will swallow every corrupted blood. It will swallow every corrupted blood. My blood I have come to open. It is open to you. It is open to you. It is flowing to you. It is flowing to you. For I carry the blood and I am showing you the way to the blood. I am showing you the way to the blood. I am the author. I am the author of this blood and I finish the blood. So it is mine and I come to open. I come to show you the blood. I come to show you the blood. For even I and him that dwells in immortality, whom no man can approach unto, I, I dwell in him. I dwell in him. I come with the way. I come with the way. I come bearing gifts of the way. I come bearing gifts of the way. I come with gifts of the way to show you and to take you the way. To show you in the way. To show you in the way. It is my fountain. It is fountain out from me. It is flowing. Follow my stream. Follow my fountain. Follow my fountain. For there is a fountain that is filled with blood for you. Come to my blood. Come to my blood. I say come to my blood. I have sent my angels. They are los pratelios eventire. Ricoloseria. It is open to you. It is given for you that you may resist unto blood. For it is blood over blood. It is my blood over every blood. Every life contrary to mine. It is my life that will swallow death in victory. It is my life. It is my life. I have come to rewrite and undo iniquity and begin to write my life in your hearts. By my blood, I have opened my blood. I have opened the realm of my blood to you. I have opened the realm of my blood, says the Spirit of the Lord. everyone has been called up to a fight. You've been called up to a fight. You have been called up to a fight which has been won in victory. Which has been won in victory. It is in my blood. It is in my blood. You engage in the fight and you overcome by the grace that is in my blood. By the grace that is in my blood. By the grace that is in my blood. I 
come bearing grace by my blood. There is a grace you ought to partake that is in my blood. For that is how you overcome the victory. That is how you partake of the victory. For even I was given grace to, sub, to taste death for you. By that same grace I give you that you may be crowned with glory and honor as I am seated. Where I am set with my father. I come and have opened my blood for you that you will partake of my grace that you will partake of my grace and you would come and grow up to me that you would come and grow up to me it is in my blood 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 I've opened my blood I've opened my blood partake of me eat of my flesh and drink of my blood if you take no part in this you have no part in me I've opened my blood that you partake of my grace and by my grace you would grow up to me you would grow up to me you will be joined with me and I would make your enemies come under your footstool says our Lord Jesus worship you thank you Father in the praise Amen glory to God Good evening to you in Jesus' name. Um, please just say good evening to somebody and give them a smile and say, I'm glad that you are here. I'm happy to see you. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Amen. Um, okay, let's just open our Bibles. Let's not. Let's not waste too much time because time is already fast spent. So, how are we all doing? Hope we are, everyone is okay. You're good? Okay. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Now, let's just open. Let's follow the Spirit. I just. Um, I feel an impression towards um, the Hebrew. we're still in Hebrews. Say, say Hebrews. Um, let's see Hebrews chapter chapter twelve. Thank you, Father. Um, Hebrews twelve. If you're there, say Amen. Thank you. Um, let's appreciate the choir and the worship team. Thank you. Okay. Let's see Hebrews 12, uh, verse 20, verse 23. Okay, let's see from verse 22. Hebrews 12, verse 22 says, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, 
and unto an innumerable company of, of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. <clears throat> Praise God. And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Praise God. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. For see that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escaped, who refused him that speak on earth? Or if they escaped not, who refused him that speak on earth? That much more shall we, shall not we escape if we turn away from, from him that does what? that speaketh from heaven, at whose voice then shook the earth. But now he had promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Amen. Um, so you, this is, let's see that Hebrews chapter 2. Praise God. Okay, let, let's read verse 25 again just for um, emphasis so that say, see that, that ye that ye refuse not him that speaketh. We go back from 24. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. And see that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped, who they escaped not, he who refused him that speak on earth, that much more shall we not escape if we neglect or if we turn away from him who speaketh that speak it from heaven. So it's the same kind of thought of Hebrews 2. Let's see. Hebrews 2. Verse, from verse 2. Verse 1, it says that therefore we must, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them sleep. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a word, a just recompense of reward. Verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great what? So great salvation, which 
at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that did what? That heard him. Amen. Um, if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect, amen. My voice is distracting to me, so there's something weird um, with it. Like, did you remove all the bass completely or something? I can't, I can't hear the low end of my voice. Thank you, Father. <clears throat> Praise God. Um, it says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto them that heard him? So. This escape here, um, in the way they put it in Hebrews chapter 12, he said, um, verse 25, that see that you refuse him, not him that speaketh. For, so you see that this refusing is um, not taking heed, right, to him that is speaking. So, um, verse chapter 2, verse 1, it says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we should what? Let them sleep. For if the word spoken by angels, so he's going back to what he calls the word spoken by angels. Um, so, and now that word, someone can tell me what is the word spoken by angels? The, the word spoken by angels, what are they referring to here? Does anybody have a sense of that? What they're referring to? Huh? Nobody? Just want to try, maybe? Anyone? Someone bold? Okay, Brian? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, so you said it's the word of the, of the present. Praise Jesus. I love that. He said the word of the present because later he said that unto the angels has he not uh, committed what? The world to come. So, so it means that every word of the present you can actually find in the mouth of angels. Do you see that? Um, angels have the... Inside, in the mouth of angels, you will find the pattern of every word for the present. So that's why there's nothing, actually, when you come into the realm of the earth, there's nothing that, that you can actually find on the earth that is beyond the, the awareness of angels. Right? There is, because the, the earth is below the heavens, Right? So the word, the, when it comes to the present, everything about the present, right, the, the angels have the word, the word. So when it's a word that was spoken by angels, it has to do with the allocation of, of word that was available to man before the word which is not committed to angels 
began to come. Are you seeing that? So when it came, comes to speaking, this place um, divides, is dividing different orders of, of word, or different, is dividing different orders or different types of word that there is what you call the word spoken by angels. Then there's what he now began to speak about that which first began to be spoken by the Lord in verse 3. Are you seeing that? that? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which at the first began to be what? Spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto who? Unto us by them that heard him. So um, they are differentiating between two words that before, so it means that before the Lord began to speak, that every word that was spoken was actually a word that was committed to angels. Praise Jesus. Uh-huh. So that word that is, that's committed to angels um, is, you'll find even when it comes to the law. Yes, so now you'll see the Bible is speaking about um, the recompense of reward in verse 2. That for if, if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a word, a just recompense of reward. So that word, every transgression is um, talking about all the transgression. There are different levels of transgression that happened to this word spoken by angel. First, the first time that this word was transgressed was transgressed by Lucifer himself. That was the first transgression of this word happened in heaven, right? Then, the, then when he came down to the earth, uh, praise God, you saw further transgression. After a, after a time, when the... the the speaking or what you call the word of the Lord was brought again to the earth, which came in the form of the law, which was given unto Moses. You know that that, that law was also angelic word that they brought down. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Angelic word that they brought down from heaven that was able to become uh, a sort of a testament in the, old, in the Old Testament, right? And you can tell that all of that season of the Old Testament was a season that was under the, it's almost like the hospices of the angelic, right? It was just the, the hospices. God just, when it was time to, um, to bring Israel out of Egypt, God actually had to send angels. Angels had to begin the orchestration of how to deal with Moses, how to encounter Moses. Praise God, how to bring him out. When it was time to release them from Egypt, the Lord sent an angel to help Moses to get them out. And the angel began to follow them even in the wilderness. They ate the food of the angels. Praise Jesus. Uh-huh. And then so the, then after a while, it was time to give the law. What happened? The, the angelic Kedah actually descended. Praise Jesus. Are you seeing that? Um, so that, 
that season of Sinai, the giving of the law in Sinai, was, uh, was actually the bringing down of, the, of an angelic word, the word of what? Of angels. Do you see that? It was bringing what? The, the word of angels. The word that was spoken by angels. And the Lord was now using that as a reference point. Amen. Amen. Um, and said, if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received what? A, a just recompense of what? Reward. Praise Jesus. That how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. If we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Um, so, you see this place and Hebrews chapter 12, they are um, they're trying to bring down and contrast different seasons of speaking. Right? You know, first of all, at the beginning of Hebrews, that's how the book of Hebrews started. From Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says that God who at sundry times and in diverse manner speak unto, unto the fathers by the prophets, has now in these last days done what? Spoken to us by his son. So, in... God was sundry times, diverse manners, spoken unto the fathers by the prophet, has in this last day spoken unto us by what? By his son. Amen. So, diverse, sundry times and diverse manners, sundry times and diverse manners, spoke unto the fathers by the prophet. So, the, the father, there's what he called the, the prophetic voice, which is a, a voice of the, the speaking of God, All right? Then there's a prophetic voice, which is a kind of speaking which God used to speak unto the fathers. Then there is, um, I can call it the voice of the law, which was another time, another season of speaking. Praise God. Another season of speaking, the time of the law, when God came down, right, and the Lord actually began to speak again. Praise Jesus. Yeah. Now, the first speaking, um, uh, there's something about the voice of God that... Um, 
must be, the purpose of speaking of God is for the giving of a type of witness, right? It's, a, it's like bearing witness to something in God. Every time God is speaking, God is, is actually, his voice is actually bearing witness to him. Uh-huh. And so there's one thing about God that when it comes to man, God, um, when God wants to speak, God must raise a stature to speak. God cannot speak without raising a stature that can speak. Right? So it's just like the voice of God cannot come without, cannot leave God. God can actually release his voice. He can't just speak, maybe speak into the atmosphere or something. God doesn't predict that. The only way that God's voice can be heard is that when God has raised stature, it takes stature, spiritual stature, to be able to be a, a conveyor of what? The voice of God. <clears throat> so, the concept of um, speaking, amen, um, is you cannot separate the ministry of speaking or the work of speaking from the, the function of the development of songs, what the Bible calls songs. Praise God. Uh, there is something that the scripture calls songs that that stature of a son is actually a person who is a, is a carrier and a keeper of a certain word or somebody who has the custody or he has the, is a keeper and of a certain kind of word. That is what it means actually to be a son, that word son is a, a custodian of a word. In the, you know, there are, there are concepts that we have seen in our world, but the way the word represents some of those concepts are not the original sense of them. That they are concepts that already existed in the mind of God that just happened to be demonstrated in our physical Living, amen. So that one of them is this idea of, of sonship. That, so you now see there is a something called sonship. It's actually an invention of God. That one of the main reasons for sonship is a stature. A son is a stature that can bear a certain word, that can bear the word. So really a son is someone who can bear the word of his father. Someone who can bear a word is praise Jesus. You know, the, the, the greatest thing of a man is his word. It's not his properties or his house. It's not everything. You know, when they are tying of value or worth to external things is a, is a falling idea. And is a falling, it's part of the falling nature. 
That's why you, when, you th- when you see a man who thinks the best thing he can give to his children is his money and his houses and his land, then it's a falling thought. It means that the man is reasoning on the ground. You know, it's, it's, imagine you, you live for decades on the earth and you realize that the best thing you can leave behind is cars and money and house, corruptible things. That's a waste of existence, right? So, the, but in truth, the, 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 the best thing that a man can leave onto his son or his children is if, if he can give them a portion of his logos, right? That what his logos means is his word, his, what is inside of him. That is, that is actually the thing that, that is the inheritance that sons ought to have from their father. It's there. So every son who is really a son should have his father's word in them. Do you agree with that statement? That every son who is a what? Who is a son should do what? <clears throat> have his father's word, word in him. So you now see one of the main reasons, the main things that fathers do is to raise statues who are sons. So a son here. It's not just giving birth. It's talking about development, in the sense of development, that a son is one who has been developed for the purpose of carrying the logos, carrying a word. You understand what I mean? Carrying a word or carrying a logos. And so you find this idea, you see, right from the beginning, you see, that idea from the Bible, well, you will not see it if it goes just straight to the beginning, except we have some kind of eyes. But later in the New Testament, that's when you see, you see that First John chapter 5, what he was trying to teach you is that very exact concept which I'm describing, that when it was time for the Logos to travel from being a, a record to becoming a witness, there's only one thing it must become. It must become son, right? It has to be, that's what that First John 5 was teaching, right? That, that it was the word for, it must, the word must what? Become what? Was become son. Just open your mind and just begin to see the Bible, okay? Just see the Bible. There are many chapters here in the Bible that align with what I'm saying. They're just, and they show it very clearly. First John chapter 1 shows it clearly. It started with Logos. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and all. And later then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then we beheld his glory of the only begotten, of the begotten of the Father, full of grace. What does it mean? That word begotten means the Son, the glory. We beheld his glory as of the Son of the Father. So you're seeing that thing of Logos becoming the Son again, right? Praise Jesus. So you see, it, you see it very clearly now. The concept of sonship um, did not begin. Now, when it comes to sonship of the divine nature, that one is a fresh concept that's, that was, didn't, wasn't on the earth. It didn't come about until Jesus. It was Jesus who actually, that was the first time that they saw that type. So when... When you bring it in the first begotten, that time of Hebrews chapter 1, when the first begotten was brought, it, that wasn't the first time that the angels saw son. But the, the first time they saw a son of an order. 
It was a particular, it was a kind of son of a particular order. That was Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6. That, and again when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith what? Let all the angels of God worship him. Now, you see, are you seeing all these angels of God here? Who they mention here? These angels are their top pedigree, their top rank. All of them are sons. Two. Why will I say they are sons? They are also bearers of word. Right, you see, at, at, the, at the peak, top of the angelic, that was the, the book of Psalm was letting us know that they are, it bless you, the Lord, all you his angels who excel in strength, right, and do his commandment and what hearkening unto the, do his commandment, hearkening unto the voice of his word. You see that, that those angels are, are sons too. Praise God. And the definition of son there, are you seeing that? Now it says, to which of the angels did he say at any time? Right? Hebrews chapter 1, what verse are we, are we now? That to which of the angels did he say at any time? Do what? Sit at my right hand until I make thy what? Energy. Your enemy is your footstool. Verse 14. Then, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who shall be what? Heirs of salvation. Okay, go on, verse 15. Well, that's the last verse. Are you sure? Okay, let's go. Let's see that Hebrews 1. All right, let's see to the son he said. Verse 8. Okay. That's verse, verse 5. Uh-huh. That's, the, that's what I'm looking for. Verse 5, it says, For to which of the angels said he at any time that thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Are you saying that? So now those angels are sons, but he's, a, he's making a contrast. It's the same contrast that is they are painting. Hebrews chapter 1 is painting it, Hebrews chapter 2 is painting it. We saw Hebrews chapter 12 painting that contrast. It's showing you the difference between the angelic, their stature, their word, and then the begotten son, his stature, his word. Are you getting me? It's showing sort of like a, giving you a kind of a sense of that. So it's contrasting this man called Jesus with the angels. say, for unto which of the angels said he at any time, said, thou art my son, this day have I, what, begotten thee. So when you hear the word begotten son, it's talking about a son of an order. Right? It's a, it's a kind of son, the begotten son. Remember that John chapter 1, and we beheld his glory. The word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we did what? We beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, then full of what? Grace and truth. And he never said to the angel, thou art my son, T today have I what? Have I begotten thee? Right? It's the, because there's only an only begotten of the Father, 
that's full of grace and truth. So it's separating. So there is. So what actually separates songs are their word. Actually, praise Jesus is is what they are. Is their word. Now there is something that makes the this begotten son a bit diff, quite different, right? It's something now. What they are showing up here in Hebrews chapter one, they're showing you okay stature of angelic sons and their word. They're showing you the stature of the begotten son and and, and what and this word. Now, but those are not the only kind of sons in Hebrews chapter one. The begotten son and the world, the angelic son, but they, they are also the sons of men and their world. That's where they started. That's verse one. It said that God who has sundry times in diverse manners spake unto the fathers by the prophet has now begotten in this, what? In this uh-huh. last day spoken unto us by his son. So when he says spoken by the prophet, those prophets there are not angels, right? They are another kind of sons too, right? How many of you believe that, that the word son of man in the Bible is a language for what? Prophets. Is a title for pro- son of man, son of man prophesy, son of man prophesy, son of man prophesy. Right, that was telling to Ezekiel. The spirit was saying to Ezekiel, son of man prophesy. Praise Jesus. So the, the, the word son, the word son of man there doesn't just mean a child that a man gave birth to. It just means a son, a stature that is of man. Uh, do you see that this? A stature that is of man. It's of the order of men. Right? It's, it's a kind of a son. Not like I give birth to you, but it's a, he has, you know, I'm describing sonship. As, as who they describe a son, somebody who is being developed to bear a certain kind of word. So, Son of man, do you want to take, give examples so people can see, so we don't just say it, like maybe the book of Ezekiel, right? It says son of man, Any, anyone, just pick anyone of it. Okay, in Ezekiel 27, thou son of man, take up a lamentation of, of Tyrus, remember that one? Um, thou son of man, take up a lamentation. For what? For tires. That's Ezekiel 27. What of Ezekiel chapter 14? Is there another one in Ezekiel chapter 14? Why, is, why are they calling him son of man? It means that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a prophetic title. Right. We are not fast at all. Hey, okay. Let's let's go. <laughs> Wait, go and look for it when you get home. Yeah. Praise God. It's a occurrence, common occurrence in the Bible. Anyway, you get my sense that there is that that a son of man is a prophet who is a man, so, but a prophet, not just any kind of prophet. A prophet is a prophetic stature. Every time 
they raise a prophetic stature. That prophetic stature is a son, right? Or anybody who bears a specific kind of word, right, is, is a son. So this concept of sonship um, um, is something that, begin, that began from, um, you see it right from the, the beginning of Genesis, the first time we saw stature of a son was in Genesis. The first son that we saw in the Bible was Adam. Do you agree with that? It's the first son that we saw in the Bible was who? Was Adam. Remember when they were writing the genealogies, Adam, the son of God. Do you see that now? Let's go back to Genesis quickly to see that. Maybe we're not see it from Genesis. Let's go. Let's see Matthew. Let me let me see how Matthew rendered things. Sorry. Okay, started from Abraham. Okay, that was Luke. Sorry, it was Luke that rendered it that way. Uh huh. Luke chapter three, verse thirty-eight. So they were listing sons, right? Which was the son of Canaan, verse thirty-six, the son of Arphax, which was the son of Sam, son of Noah, which was the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Jared, which was the son of Maliel, which was the son of Canaan which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Amen. Now, what, what kind of thing is this? Are they speaking about physical genealogy, like your blood, biological genealogy? No, that's not what they are speaking of here. You see all these sons they are mentioning in this lineage, they are not sons after physical blood, they are sons in terms of who did each of those men give their own word to. It's not a man can have ten sons and he will just choose one. And only that one will appear in the genealogy. You see, in this genealogy, they didn't mention all the sons of these men. They were just picking one. Each, like each generation, they pick one. They, they, what are they tracing? They are tracing commitment of of the logos of each of those, each of those men were given their own logos. Do you see that? The same way that you see, for example, Joseph was not the physical, biological father of Jesus, but he was counted as the father of Jesus as far as God is concerned because that was his own son. And he, he was, and, that, and Jesus is not the son of David by blood. You realize that? And if you took the physical blood of Jesus, you wouldn't see any gene from David's lineage inside of it. Because the conception itself was immaculate. God made sure. So people won't make mistake that it's by blood something that was gene. Maybe David transferred genes to Jesus or something. 
but it wasn't there. Moses wasn't involved. It was immaculate conception. Mary was not even from the tribe of Judah at all. Praise God. So you're seeing that this is another concept of sonship in the Bible, different from biological concept. Now, and when you're following this concept of sonship, in this sense, Adam can be the son of God. Not because God impregnated the mother of Adam. <laughs> you understand what I mean? But you see, they just, the way they are able to flow, and then they got to Adam and say, and Adam, the son of God. So it's very clear that each of these men, they were fathers who developed sons, who developed men. It's possible that in some of this lineage, there might be some that might not be biological at all. Yeah. In fact, there is actually a big problem in the scripture. When you align the ge- genealogies, they don't really match in different accounts. Maybe, I don't know if it's either Luke's own versus Matthew's own. If you are trying to trace, for example, Jesus to David, the way they trace it is different. The name they mentioned are different. It's possible maybe one of them was looking biologically. Maybe another one was actually looking non-biologically, but through a different means, route of transfer. So, but you know, Bible scholars, they that one they couldn't reconcile. It's a big problem with the Bible that they just left it and we can't answer why. Why would each of them have different genealogical records for that, how Jesus was linked to David? But there's another sense in which transfer. So this one, I will actually trust this Luke's own. Right? There, was something that, there was something in Luke, it's a grace upon Luke, that they gave, the Holy Ghost gave to Luke for the, his ability to to see how the natural align, or to place the natural with respect to the spiritual. You know, he's the one who was able to calibrate somehow the, the journey of Jesus' growth from when he was young and speak about when he was a child, the child Jesus, to that language to call him the baby first, and then from the baby to the child, the child Jesus, then from child Jesus to, G, to Jesus, right? Praise God. Amen. So that was a sense God gave him. So what he's saying here, uh, so see Adam, the son of God, um, so Adam was a type of son, right, which is of the order of, 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 ma- of men, right? Adam was a son of man. <laughs> Praise God. He was, a, he was a son of man, but he was also a son of God. You will also see that reference in Genesis. When you go to Genesis chapter 6, at that point you still had sons of God on the earth. So there was a time when sons of God, sons of God who were sons of men, ended at one point in Genesis. Right, that was Genesis chapter 2. Uh-huh. Chapter 2 verse 1, it says that, go from verse 1, Genesis chapter 2. From verse 1, and it came to pass that when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, the 6 verse 2, and the sons of God saw the daughters of men. They are, they are making difference. Sons of God, daughters of men. That they were, what, fair, and they took them wise of all which they choose. It was by this action that they fell from being sons of God. Are you seeing that? They actually fell down from being what? Sons of God. So, so the sons of God were kind of 
Adam. So the word, the actual word Adam means a son of God. It's, it's a type of the son. It's a, it's a type of the son of God. The word Adam, I think they said the word Adam means son of the red earth. Right? Adama means something like red earth. It has to do with the color of the earth. So the, the, the word red earth, to me, if I can use kind of prophetically try and interpret what that redness of the earth is, signify, it's talking about end, earth that is tinted with God's blood. Right? That is it's not just any kind of man. And Adam is a son of the red earth. Is a, is a red earth. Not every earth is red. But the earth that is red is a, is a earth that has, that, that has a, a tint of, of, of the blood of God. That's who these sons of God were. Do you see that? But something was able to remove that tint from them. Uh-huh. So, you, you, so later, when you're referring to um, someone like Ezekiel, some of the other prophets, they wouldn't say, son of God, son of God, prophesy. They will not say son of God, but rather they will say son of man, son of man. But Adam was, was a, a type of a son of man because Adam was also a prophet, but he was a, he was a son of God. Are you, am I making sense to you? Uh, so in this journey, we're just trying to see, look at how sonship emerged. Right? We'll see it first from um, maybe among, through the scripture, of course. You see, among men, you see, sonship of God ended here, right? What, what ended the sonship of, with God is when God said that I will no longer, my, heart, my spirit will no longer strive with man. Uh-huh. So when God said my spirit will no longer strive with man, for he that, he also is flesh, and God now reduced his days. Praise Jesus. But then, so this concept of sonship, that, has, that is raised by God actually fell on the earth for a long time until God found Abraham and then God wanted to bring back the concept of sonship, sons. God was looking for the, a, a way to bring back sons on the earth again. That was one of the main reasons for the law. Ask me, what is actually the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law is to raise prophets. I don't know if I, yeah, that, can make, that makes sense to you. That the, the prophet of what? The, sorry, the purpose of the law is to what? Raise prophets. Another way to say is the purpose of the law is to raise a kind of sons. It's to raise type, a type of sons. Uh-huh. So when it was time... When God was time to raise sons back to the earth, God now said, uh, we have to find a way to do it. But God said that the way we'll do it is that we'll have to bring the heavenly pattern, right? And then we have to take, borrow the word from angels. Like the word which, which angels are keeping. We have to borrow their word and then bring their word down. And then use that word to raise statues. Now, if you, if you check in the spirit, in the spirit, and you're able to take Adam, and then take Adam and put him under a spiritual microscope and check, Adam, son of God, what kind of son are you? And you check the, the sonship of Adam. 
then you now take that specimen and then compare it with the sonship of, let's say, Ezekiel or one of the other prophets. You now say, ah, there's a difference here. It's actually, they are not the same type of son. They are different. They are different because they are, they are different orders. One is, one is a son who was raised by the breath of God. The other one is a son that was raised by a copy of the word of angels. Am I making sense to you? One is what, a, a word that was what? Raised by what? A copy of what? The, the word of angels. Uh-huh. The other one was what? Was raised by what? The breath. So and if I say, what is the meaning of the breath of God? There was a direct, Adam was the one who received direct breath from God. But God's breath, God now left then, left on the earth the, the dispenser of his breath. The dispenser of the breath of God is called the presence of God. Uh, am I making any sense to you? Uh, the presence of God is what? Is, is what they call the dispenser of what? The breath. So when you see, you see Adam, who was raised, and the, and the Lord God breathed into his nostrils, and then he, with the breath of life, and then and man became a living soul. That was a type of a man who had God's breath in him and was raised that way. Then when Adam began to raise sons, he raised Abel first. So you see that Abel was the, was the, was the first, was a type, thank you, Father. Abel was, was the first product of, of development. You know, it's not different. There's a, there's a classification. There's a classification that in the spirit that Eve, Adam doesn't fall into. Even though Adam is an Adam. <laughs> but there's a, a further classification of Adam, which you saw in the, in, the, in the New Testament, which is of all men born of a woman. Adam doesn't fall into that category. That category starts from Abel. Do you see that? Of all, when they were trying to, to speak concerning John, they say, of all men born of a woman, no man had a reason like unto John, you see. So they were creating a kind of classification that begins from men. Why are they separating? Why didn't you just say of all men? You know, they could have said that. But instead of all men who are born of a woman, what is this special about being born of a woman? It means that if you were born of a woman, then you went through the process of arising which is, to, that word, he said, no one has a reason like unto John. So you are you're just measuring men who arose. You can't measure Adam. You can't add Adam in that measurement. Because Adam didn't arise. Adam just woke up yeah. with breath in, in him. Uh, are you seeing what I'm saying? So if you are, you are speaking about John, of all men who arose, yet we must start from Abel, which is, of all men born of what? Of a woman. Now, what is the significance of arising? Arising is talking about, it's now telling you about a, a developmental process which matters to heaven, which actually, which is the process of becoming a son on the earth. 
which Abel didn't follow that process. Sorry, Adam didn't follow that process, but Abel did follow that process, right? And so Abel was, was actually raised his son. Abel was raised as his son, a type of a son of God, but he, wasn't, he didn't receive that breath of nostrils like Adam did, but rather he was cultured by the presence of God, right? Which is the presence of God is, is actually the, the one who is, is what commits word. It's by the presence that word. Word is what is committed. It's, and, and there are different kinds of presence. When you go into the, 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 the um, hierarchy of the angels, like the third, those third heavenly angels, who we call the angels of his presence. You see, those who excel in strength, that do his commandment, that hearken unto the voice of his word, what makes them, what commits to them that estate is because of their standing in the presence. He said, he said I am Gabriel who stands where? In the, in the presence of God. We know that Gabriel stands in the presence. We know that Michael stands in the presence. We know that Lucifer, son of the morning, used to stand in the presence. What did they call him? Lucifer, what? Son of the morning. So is a type of son. How art thou falling from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, thou which did weaken the nation? So you can see that that was son of the morning, means it was actually a statue of the morning. Who they gave is a, a, a particular word. They committed a word. Anything that that word, a word that has to do with the morning. Right, is, a, is actually a part of the, the curriculum which is dispensed from the presence of God. That's what they used to frame this being who fell from that place. Are you getting what I'm saying? That, so that was some means it's, it's a statue of the morning. Like when you check him, you check, check inside of him, what makes him a son of the morning is that inside of him had the word of the morning. Praise Jesus. Am I making some sense to you? Am I making sense to you? Yes, Praise God. So you see that thing called, called presence. Actually, presence is the developer of sons. When, when you see a, a being to whom, the, to, him, to whom word has been given. Now, when I'm, when I'm saying word now, I'm not, there's a difference between word and ministry. It's not the same. Someone can get, receive a ministry, but it's not committed the word. Do you understand the difference? That's the difference between seraphims and cherubims. Right? When he came to the seraph, he said, Blessed the Lord, you what? Who do his pleasure. Are you seeing that? So what is the pleasure they are doing? The pleasure is the definition of their ministry. So God can define a ministry in a creature without committing his word to them. But, but when they are talking about their ministry, you say, oh, is it not a type of word? Yes, it's a type of what You have to understand what I'm trying to say. I'm talking about the, the word of God himself, his own word. There is only, there's one class of angels who God committed 
a type of his own world. It's, they are the third heavenly kinds of angels, those ones who excel in strength, who do his command because they hack in. They hack in. They give the more earnest heed. They hear those who are, That's their nature, their specific nature of his presence. Are you getting what I'm saying? So those ones are actually the beings that really in heaven that are really sons of God. And you see Lucifer, son of the morning, is a type. Is one, he fell from that realm, right? Is one of them. He was, sorry. He was one of them. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I said glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, um, in Genesis, Adam was raised by the presence. You see Adam, you see Seth, you see Enos, and, and Co, each of them. They are sons in degrees, but the, the best of all the sons who were raised by the presence was Abel. That was, that was what made Abel a key reference in the Bible. Yeah, so when you see sometimes they mention Abel, but you wonder, why not Adam? Why Abel? Was it Adam his father? You have to know why. It's because of an attribute concerning him that Adam did not have, which, which was that he, he arose, or he was actually raised on the earth by the presence. So, so you can see, I, I, sh- I showed you from that Genesis chapter 1, when they, they were speaking about First of all, see God who has sundered, sorry, not Genesis, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter one, God who has sundered times in diverse manners, speak unto the fathers by who? By the prophets, then has in, then this last day spoken unto us by his son, whom he had appointed the heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So you're seeing the comparison now, you're seeing instead of just two comparisons, you are seeing three comparisons now. Right? What are the three, three types of sons being compared? There is the what? The sons of man, who are the prophets. Or when you say prophets, sorry. Prophets are men who are sons. When you say fathers, fathers are in different levels. Do, do you agree? Okay. Sorry, I didn't get in too many. I'm sorry. <laughs> Amen. Now, these things are important to know. If they don't know, you won't understand the Bible. You won't, you won't be able to, when you see, you know, dealings, how the dealings of the Bible with different men are according to different types. All men are not the same. There's a way God can deal with Abraham, or God will deal with Moses, that he will not deal with Adam in a certain way. But you might not know why. Why, why are things different? Is because you have to be able to discern what type of men they were. They were not all the same kind of men. Praise Jesus. So, so when, I, when, you, when you hear the word fathers, for example, you might just say, ah, these are the fathers of Israel. They're, no, no, fathers are not all the same. First of all, Adam as a father is not the same thing as Abraham as a father. Are they both fathers? Yes. Abraham was the father. So when you say father of Israel, you mention Abraham, you mention Isaac, you mention Jacob, but you can't mention Adam as a father of Israel. When the Lord is speaking to your father, sometimes 
Amen. Your father. They say Abraham, your father. In the Bible, you see such references. Right? Your father is spoken of those patriarchs who had dealings with. They had also dealings with God. And they also had even dealings with presence to a degree. Those fathers. But they are not, fa- they are not all, they are not the type of father that Adam was or Abel was or Seth was. Those were, all, they were, those were different kind of fathers. They are not fathers of Israel. They father different kinds of men who are not Israelites. Do you understand what I mean? Praise God. So, but, but when they say the fathers, it's a, an umbrella statement. You can say, okay, the father of Israel, you can find them there. You can say the, the father of mankind. There's all the, the fathers of mankind. They are different. You, you will not be naming the men like Adam, men like Seth, men like Enos. Those are the fathers of mankind. They are not fathers of Israel. Are you getting what I'm saying? Aha. So, so God spoke um, and in the last days, spoken unto, unto, sorry, unto the fathers by what? By the prophets. Uh-huh. So when you say the fathers by the prophets, um, I, I, mean, I don't want to be too... Um, I'm just trying to expand your understanding here. Now, I'm not saying specifically here that these were just specifically fathers of Israel or all the fathers, I don't know. Specifically, you understand what I mean? Uh-huh. But maybe with another light, we can see it and we can infer that, oh, okay, this is what he's speaking concerning. But one thing you can know is that prophetic, prophetic nature began from Adam. Adam was a, was a prophet. And Adam himself was a father. Do you understand? <laughs> so the truth is that all the fathers were also prophets. They also had prophetic nature attached to them as well. Praise Jesus. But that's not the message. What I want to show you is the different orders. Right? So you see the different orders here of speaking. Right? The different order of speaking is the, the speaking by glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you, Father. So, okay, the reason why I would believe that they are all here is if we get the sense from Hebrews chapter 12. Because in Hebrews chapter 12, you will see four of them. So you will see the, the, you will see the order of speaking in the time of the fathers of men. You see the order of speaking in the time of the fathers of Israel. You see the order of speaking of the angelic. You see the order of speaking of the Son of God, the begotten Son of God. Praise Jesus in that Hebrews 12. That's what they were. That Hebrews 12 is just trying to tell you about different messages and different seasons of, of God speaking. Or it's also telling you about different time and different works of God that God has done in raising sons 
on the earth who are bearers of a type of word that he carries. Praise Jesus. Let's go back to that Hebrews 12 again. Thank you, Jesus. Give you glory. Now, so he says, verse 22, but ye are come unto Mount Zion, the, and unto the what? The city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And you see, to an innumerable what? Company of what? Angels. 23, to the general assembly and then the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. And to God, the judge of all, and then to who? The spirits of just men made perfect. Then verse 24 is now saying, and to Jesus, the mediator of who? The new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than who? That of Abel. Are you seeing the references there? So, if you go back to verse 22, it says that, first of all, you've come to the city of the living God, right? Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. That's verse 22. It's actually a, um, is a kind of, <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's like God is just telling you about a domain where he, where he raised stature. Now, you need to see, know something about this journey of salvation. Is that for you to be, for salvation to be rounded, the soul must make a, a survey of all the works of God. You, find that you can be studying a particular work of God. You know that that work is not really the work. That's not really what will save you. But inside that work is the you find it's like a treasure hunt. You know, now a treasure hunt works when you have to you find the find the first one. When you get there, it has a clue for the next one. But if you don't, if you say, okay, this is not important. That's not the, the journey, the destination. And you don't find that one, you will never go to the next one. Like somebody wanting to know the world to come, but doesn't know the law of Moses. You say, you know, but the law of Moses is part. That's the law. Now it's a season of grace. The law is given by Moses, but now grace and truth came by Jesus. Now that, that was, people, were, people were trying to make that kind of mistake. Jesus said, look, I have not come to abolish the law, but rather I came to fulfill the law. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot establish the second, except you take away the first. But the first doesn't go by force. You must fulfill it. And you say, yeah, you fulfilled me now. I'm going now. It's not by, you, you don't take away the first by, by ignoring it. You must, you must reason with the first. And the first must see, ah, you've graduated higher than me. Okay, bye-bye. Let me release you further. Are you seeing that? So, so it means that your, spirit, your spirituality should not be breaking the law. Right? If you're, you're saying, no, we don't, we're not by the law, we walk by the spirit, we don't only by the letter kill it, but the spirit giveth life, so we don't believe in the letter and on the law. And all. You don't even know, you don't even know the letter and law are not even the same thing. <laughs> Praise God. 
So Jesus said he didn't come to condemn the law and all that, or to abolish the law, but he came to actually fulfill, to fulfill the law. And but you now find that the way of fulfilling the law that Jesus was fulfilling it was different from the way that lower men were, were trying to fulfill it. Like the Pharisees were trying to fulfill the law, but they were always failing in the law. They would do things that are not important, but they would leave the weightier matters. You know, there are some weightier matters of the law, which they won't even see at all. They just read the page of the law, but they can't tell that there are matters of weight, that inside the law there's also mercy there. There is judgment there. There is, you see, there is faith there. They can't see such things. It takes a higher man who's coming from a higher side. That's Matthew 5, verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to do what? To fulfill. Where did he speak about the weightier matters of the law? Amen. You see, verse 23 of Matthew 23. Matthew 23, verse 23 said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you paid tithes of mint. Mint is a tiny leaf, right, or something. And then, how do you pay tithe of mint? I don't understand. <laughs> and and this, I don't know what that is, and cumin, maybe probably a tiny seed. They can divide it into ten and pay the tiny tithe of it. Are you getting what kind of a soul is that? But have omitted the weightier matters of the law judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done and not left the other ones undone. Means you should have done everything together. Are you seeing that? So even the law has weightier matters. Right? You see someone like, like David, for example. David was once someone I know who they moved into the weightier matters of the law. That in terms of it wasn't, it's very clear that David understood judgment. He understood mercy. All his psalms are full of judgment. His psalms are full of mercy. He was talking about mercy and judgment. But these are things that normally you will not hear from someone who is talking the law because it's hard to see judgment from the law in in this sense and then to see mercy and then what? Faith. You know, seeing faith from the law is not that easy at all. It's not that easy to see what? Faith from the law. Moses sent the 12 spies, the best 12 he could find out of all the people, and sent them. How many came back with a good report? You know that word good means faith, right? Out of all the 12, only two came back with a good word. A good report it means that the other ones, they didn't have, they had, they knew law, but they didn't have weight to have. You can know law, but the weight of the law, you don't have the weight of the law inside of your heart. Praise Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when Jesus was coming, they would say, okay, Moses, give us a bill of divorce and all of that, that there are situations where you can divorce your wife and all of those things. And then Jesus said, I understand because of your own heart to the the weakness of your heart, he gave you that. But really, God actually hates divorce. That is a higher judgment, right? Fulfilling. So it's like taking the law and making it better. You fulfill it. So it's not like you're not casting away the law, but you're fulfilling the law. Now, now all these Pharisees and scribes and co, for example, Jesus Christ, 
healing somebody on the Sabbath day. To them, ah, you have broken the law. You can't, there's nothing you can tell me. They, they will just read it. Read, okay, you read it, the Ten Commandments. Read it. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Have you read that before? What is now the excuse? What revelation do you want to bring about this thing? It's plainly written there. Remember what? The Sabbath day, Exodus 20 verse 8, and do what? To, to keep it holy. But you are now doing works and miracles. Yeah. <laughs> but the, it means that this meaning of, of the Sabbath day and all of that, there's a deeper meaning to it. So it's not just reading by faith. So it means, it means God himself did not expect them to read it just by the face value. He actually expected them to interpret the law through his spirit, through the spirit of the law, which is actually the prophetic spirit that should talk about what is behind the mind of God. Do you understand? When they, were, they told Jesus to, now, okay, Jesus, we know you have a higher message and all that, but can you just help us first summarize the law to us? Of all the commandments, what is the summary? Jesus now said, okay, let me, let me tell you how I fulfill it. So you, you fulfill it from line by line, word by word, and anything that's not in that line, you won't do. That's just a problem. <laughs> and so, but Jesus said, you know how I fulfill it? I summarize them into two. There's that, that really, the first five, they summarize them into love the Lord thy God. And this one is actually the great commandment. That one is it. That all five you can summarize into loving God. Then the other one, love your neighbor as yourself, which is the second commandment, which is like unto the first. Now, are you seeing the... You, so that, Jesus is just giving an insight to how he fulfills it. So according to Jesus, if he is loving God with all your heart, with all your... Are you seeing that? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And if you are doing that, you are fulfilling half of the Ten Commandments. Now, do you know that the part of remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy is part of the, is part of the five, the ones that is in this side of loving the Lord thy God. So Jesus' judgment will tell him that if... If healing on the Sabbath day is an, obed- is an is obedience of the movement of love and compassion within my heart, then I'm fulfilling the commandment. Even though to the unlearned, it might seem that you are breaking, thou shalt not, I do understand what I'm trying to say. I see levels of, re- of resolution. So he's coming from a higher comprehension, but his higher comprehension is not breaking the law. He's actually fulfilling it. Praise God. Amen.
Satali Adaba Satevele Nata Bratelio Sovretelia Bretelegatevele Bretelio Safate Pecatelia Seta Rifretomoso Tetelia Preteteli Revrete Marticalia Calio Sovantire Potolia Rebebezentelia Vretelio Potila Catalia Elibra Telia Macriantoto Vrintiga Talia Zetalia Baba Baba Balata Regatelio Vretolio Mesetolio Evrentolio Mecantolio Vrencotolio Emecantolio Op I've come to toll you I've come to raise you up I am changing your word I'm bringing my own word my own word my word my word the cater of my word it is a sight I have come to give you the sight of my word I have come to give you the sight of my word I am starting by changing your sight that you may discern my word for what it is you may see my word how I see my word I have come to give you sight I have come to give you understanding I have brought understanding I bring understanding that you will no longer look at the things that are seen you will begin to see the things that are not seen you will begin to see beyond the things that are seen for it is lebretaria I've brought you I bring you breath I bring you breath the breath of the spirit the breath of the spirit to open matters, to open matters, to open even my matters, to open my word to you. I breath you. I bring you breath. I bring you breath. That would quicken my word. That would quicken my word. That you would see as I see. You will work as I work. You would move as I move. Don't stay. Don't stay where you are. I have brought you breath. That you would move as I move. For I have called you up to height. I have called you up to height. It is by seeing how I see. It is by seeing how I see. And I've brought you my breath that you may see. I've impacted you with eyes that you may see how I see. For it is by my seeing you will begin to walk in the way I walk. I have opened up the way that you would work. But I've come to commit sight to you that you would work in the way I work. That you would work in the way I walk. For without my sight there are things you cannot do. There are things you cannot do. You may hear me. You may hear people talk about me. You may hear me. You may even hear me. But if you don't have my sight, you can't do them. I have given you sight that you may see the path and work in it. I have come to give you understanding. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We receive it. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. So, so when you are going to God, when we are, we are joining to God, we have to, we have to visit the different sides of his works. Right? Where, when I say his works, I mean that the different places where he has committed word. Right? There are places that he has committed his word in different signs. God was sundry times in diverse manner. That was sundry times means different times. He actually, in different times and then in diverse manners spoke unto the word, the fathers by the prophets. Praise God. So it means that God actually has had different, he has a record of speaking, right, that you can culminate 
all that leads up to this, uh, but has in these last days. Now, so, what they are, they are saying here, they are now saying that you are exempt from what God said to the fathers by the prophet. They are not exempting you and saying, no, no, we just hear the son now as in the last day spoken unto us by his son, so I only hear the son of God. No, no. If you say you only hear the son of God, then we'll now, we'll now ask you, okay, has your soul gotten to its last days? Right? As your soul got into its last days, this epistle was written at a certain season. So those are the days, this is the season of the soul. That when the soul now arrive at that time, I think in these last days, there's a time, there's a kind of speaking that you arrive at. But without coming through the first, it means that you, you are never exempt from knowing what God said to the fathers by the prophets. In sundry times, and in diverse manners. These, all, these, those, all those speakings are all archived in the Bible. Do you get what I'm trying to say? They are all what archived. If, to be honest with you, anybody who will, be, who will arrive at salvation must have fulfilled all the curriculum of God speaking. You should have accumulated everything God ever said within your soul, in some way or in some manner. There should be a representation of all this. Why? Because God has never said anything that didn't have a point. He says, so shall it be, every word, every, not some, every, every, every little word. So shall it be, every word that goeth forth from my mouth shall not return unto me void without accomplishing. What did Jesus say? He said, not one jot or tittle will what? Pass away. So shall my word be that God forth out of my mouth, yet shall not return to my word, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. Which I please, it shall prosper in the thing. That's the nature of every word that God spoke. There's, some, there's, a, there's a, a kind of prosperity for which he also sent that word. And it will not return unto him void. Praise Jesus. Jesus himself then said that not one jot nor tittle will pass away. For verse 18 of Matthew chapter 5, praise Jesus. Matthew 5, 18, he says that for verily I say unto you that till heaven and earth pass. Now we already know what will make heaven and earth pass. That heaven and earth will not pass until the word, the, the word, there's a, it's the world of salvation, which is the word spoken by the Son, not the word spoken by angels, is the word of the world to come, right? That's the word that will cause heaven and earth to, what, to pass away. But it says, so it says, till the time of that speaking, this is telling you, till when they initiate the season of heaven and earth passing away, that there will be things which I will speak until that time. But, but not one jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Jesus was very, you wonder, why was Jesus saying all this kind of thing? Aren't you the one who came to take away the law and then dismantle everything and bring in your own order? But why are you talking about the law being fulfilled? Yes, he came to fulfill the law. So it means that in heaven and earth pass, not one jot, 
or wanted to, shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled, till all be fulfilled. So in every soul, heaven and earth cannot pass away in your soul until everything in the law be fulfilled. Because actually the things in the law are tied to heaven and earth. That it is you, the, the fulfillment of those things that will, that will, the, 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 that will trigger the beginning of the passage of what? The heaven means that, that it's the fulfillment of those things that will make them introduce another word that has the power to make heaven and earth to pass, to pass, to pass. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. So you must come into inheritance of all the sites of speaking. We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have, have heard. There's some things which we have heard. Now, you're in a season of a particular speaking, as in this last day spoken to us, but there's also, there are things which you have heard that you can let sleep, that you must give the more earnest heed to those things, lest you let them sleep. He's now began to give the consequence of, of men who, you know, if they did not escape, if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, and how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Which are the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us and heard him. Amen. Amen. Praise Jesus. So going back to Hebrews chapter 12. Um, praise God. So Hebrews 12, he says, but you are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an what? Innumerable company of angels. So, you see this coming to this Mount Zion here, the city of the living God, is the heavenly Jerusalem. You see that heavenly Jerusalem? And then the innumerable company of, of angels Every soul must come to the heavenly Jerusalem. And every soul must come to an innumerable company of angels. You see, for ye are come. So, he's not, you're not only coming to Jesus. Coming to Jesus, he appeared in verse 24. After. Praise God. So, but... Starting from verse 22, they are just telling you, they are showing you the site you have to visit. Your soul must visit all these sites. No soul will ever arrive at Jesus who has not yet, yet passed through innumerable company of angels, who hasn't yet done pilgrimage through the heavenly Jerusalem. So what, what is the purpose for that journey or what you call coming to that heavenly Jerusalem and an innumerable company of angels is for to 
come into an allocation of the word spoken by angels is also a type of an, of an, an allocation of that word. Verse 23, then, to the general assembly, then the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men, who are what? Made perfect. Then to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and then to the blood of sprinkling that does what? That speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. Now, of all these things that you, they said you should come to, they, see, they didn't mention the blood of Abel here. The blood of Abel is not part of what you should come to. Rather, the reason why they mention the blood of Abel here is to create, if anybody's sleeping there, please just make, tell them to please stop sleeping. Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Amen. If you are coming to God, praise Jesus. Amen. You must come to God through Jesus, right? So there's one God and then one mediator between God. So there's, a, there's one God, there's one mediator between God and man. But before, before you can get to the mediator between God and man, there's a journey first. It's not every soul that they, that they, are, they are mediating about. So forget the language. It's not every soul who has a whose case has arrived, or, if I can put it that way, not every soul has been made open to mediation. Because if a soul is in a point where nothing concerns you and God yet, there's nothing to mediate. Between, when you say, between God and man, that point of mediation is a particular ministry. A priest does not mediate between God and man. Just a priest does not do that. He's a high priest. For every high priest taken from among men is what? Is ordained for men in things pertaining to God. That he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1. So, they, out of all the, the ministry of, to, of dealing with men's problem, they pick one aspect of the ministry that this aspect is the one that is ordained for men in things pertaining to God. They are the priesthood, the priests are not ordained for men in things pertaining to God. The priests are ordained for men in things pertaining to their sanctification. Are you getting a difference? Are you seeing a difference? This is, there is a difference between the high priestly ministry and the priestly ministry. 
do you see that, that the, the high priestly ministry is an ordination particular for particular purpose. It has to do with things pertaining to God. So this Jesus, who, we are, who is the mediator, we have one God and one mediator between God and man. So the, the mediator now that we have between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, is a man who mediates for man, but between man and God, but is in things pertaining to God. Does that make sense? So you now see then that there is no need to speak about Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, if a soul has not come to God, the judge of all. Right? It is it's when the soul is arriving at God, the judge of all, in hey, I need a lawyer in this arena. I, I can't, <laughs> I can't. This is not the place that I should be standing without a mediator. Uh, are you getting the sense of what I'm trying to say? That it is this, this, this God, the judge of all, it is when you are beginning to approach him, when you are beginning to approach him, for in things pertaining to God, it's only matters pertaining to God, that is where this ministry of Jesus is required. It is in these things pertaining to God that awaken this mediator. This mediator, mediator of the new covenant, is not the one that's helping you pray, God, I need that breakthrough right now. Say, hey, Jesus, do you hear? God, did you hear? I'm now taking that prayer of my, that this, your child just made, and I'm now taking and I'm praying it to you as a mediator. Please, that breakthrough, can you let him have it? You don't need Jesus for that kind of thing. This mediator of the new covenant. Right, this, the, the, mediator, the mediator of this covenant is of Jesus. This Jesus here is Jesus at a, with a certain ministry. It's, not, it's very clear. Praise Jesus. Now, you see, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, then it's now specifying what, what type of ministry of Jesus He's talking about the ministry of the blood of sprinkling. Do you see the difference now? You can only find the ministry of the blood of sprinkling in one place, in the most holy. That's the only place they sprinkle blood. When you come to the outer court, you can't find blood. You find blood in the outer court, but it's not the blood of sprinkling. It's the blood of pouring. The altar of the outer court, you don't, you don't sprinkle blood. If you sprinkle blood there, the author will ask you, what are you doing? Like, what are you, what is going on? You have not satisfied me. It means that the, the altar does not, that altar, you know, every altar is raised to wage war against sin. That's the purpose of altar. It's actually raised to, to, to wage war, war. Because anything that has to do with sacrifice is actually powerful. It's an operation of God. So, this, that altar, the altar of sacrifice, which is that the, bros, the brazen altar, the altar of bronze in the outer court, um, the kind of what it takes from the sacrifice, you know, what it takes out of the sacrifice 
and how it collects it from the sacrifice is according to the strength of the altar. Do you get me? So, if you sprinkle blood upon that altar, the altar will say, I have not received anything. Means that the altar doesn't have the resolution to take sprinkling. Do you understand? <laughs> it doesn't have the resolution. Do you remember my resolution? To take sprinkling. If you sprinkle, it won't feel anything. You have to pour the blood on the altar for the altar to feel that, yes, you have satisfied me. I've now been satisfied. So that thing of pouring is talking about different levels of, of altar. So if an altar that cannot detect sprinkled blood cannot, cannot, can only detect sin, it, cannot, it can only detect sin at a level. It means that the only sin that altar can take, that sin must be very obvious and very big. It means that it cannot detect sin at the, the molecular level or something. The, do you understand what I'm trying to say? It, it, it cannot detect sin at that aha, tiny level. The resolution of the altar is not that, it's not that spe- specific. We just pour it, the altar will be happy. Ah, yeah, yeah, this is a righteous, awesome blood. We've done, we've finished sacrifice. Now you can, you can go home for me. Yeah. We don't detect any more sin, but it's not true. There are still things that, there are still more things that ought to be, that need to be done, that need to be purified. Do you understand? So that altar in the altar, it has its own level. And thank God for that. So that the blood of the altar of bronze is not the blood of sprinkling. Let's move on from there into the next altar, which is the altar of gold in the sanctuary, which is by the veil that leads to the holy place. And that's another altar. That altar is a standing altar. Praise Jesus. That also receives blood. All altar receives blood. Any altar that doesn't receive blood is not an altar. You didn't get what I just said. Any altar that does not receive blood is a waste of time. See, we are serving God here. Check. Did it collect blood? Did they collect blood from that in that place? I, you know, it's just a way to just you know express ourselves before God, and just you know we do things. You know we do choreography, and we do dancing, and we do drama, and we do all kinds of things to express. So wait, does it collect blood? Means that it was there, and because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It's not every activity in Christianity that collects blood. Some, many things that you do doesn't amount to an altar in the spirit. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And some souls are, like, you know, anywhere that they don't collect blood, people, you always see masses there. Masses. Numbers. Millions. So why are you guys all here? We're all just in love with God. We're just looking for how to serve him. This is just, 
is just a move of God on the earth that, you know. But when you check it, there's no blood. There's no altar. Everybody goes there and they serve and they walk and they do everything. They, and they go home with all their... If they had how many pints of blood before when they came, they are going back with the same number of pints and volume. No blood was dropped. Means you can't, you've not, means you've not touched sin. You must strive unto blood. Or what do you call it? You must... Resist unto yes. blood, striving against sin. Every strive against sin must be unto blood. That's Hebrews chapter 12. He said, We resist sin here. Is it unto blood? Was blood shed? Did you, it's good you are trying to resist sin, but your resistance of sin has it been unto blood? There was any blood shed in the process? I said, no, well, we just try. No, 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 no. It's not enough. Sin is not tampered with until blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no word remission. You must suffer loss. Not the loss of what you brought. Not the loss of your, your checkbook and your, no. It's the, it's the loss of your blood. Something that, that, something that is tied to your life must be yanked from you. To, to break your flesh and cause blood to come out. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the, the shedding of blood. It must touch your blood. When ministry that touches blood now begins to come near men, hey, you begin to see all kind of excuse. Hey, all kind of grammar, all kind of things. You, you, would, just begin, you would just be laughing. Hey, look at souls. Look at you. Beat. Different kind of accusations. All kinds of stories. All kinds of lies, all kinds of things. Why? Just because, hey, blood, shedding of blood is involved. Shedding of blood. But shedding of blood, blood must be shed because without the remission of, without the word, shedding of blood, there is no one. So you see, all the altars of the tabernacle, there's none, that nothing that is done without blood. You can never, you can't serve God without blood. Yeah. Don't even let your mind fall into that kind of thinking. Don't and never be seduced by any form of service of God that doesn't involve blood. Don't be. It can it can sound palatable, nice, clean, easy, smooth, but don't be deceived by it. You will just waste your time there. After some years, you find that your sins have not been remitted, that you still have your sins with you. Praise God. So you see that there's an altar which receives blood by pouring. We thank God for that. That's a level. But then the next altar which is standing, that one, you don't, it's not pouring of blood. It's called the rubbing of blood. Which is still another level, higher than pouring blood. That altar, you have to go to probably the Old Testament to see it when the Lord was giving the ordinances to Moses about what to do with each of the altars. He was saying that for that altar, which is in the holy place, that one, you have to, blood, you, don't, you can never pour blood there. It's not the place. When you see, you know, it's not a place of blood, or pouring blood. It's not a, a, a place of pouring, of pouring blood. 
It's not designed to receive volume. Rather, it has horns. Each of the four corners of the altar has horns on them. And the, the priest must take the blood and rub the blood on each of the horns of the altar. Are you seeing from pouring? The next level is, this one now is more, is more detailed. What the, the work it can do, what it can do, it's, it's assault against sin. It's more specific than the outer court. Are you seeing that? So, so it's through the, with the finger, the most, what it told that the high priest must rub the blood on what? On the horns of the altar. Right, so it's, instead of pouring, now you apply with the finger. That's one level of resolution. Holy place. Can we see the reference of that, please? I don't know. Well, let me try and open Exodus. Exodus chapter 29. Praise Jesus. Yeah. Exodus 29, verse, verse 12. Let's see. And it says, And thou shalt take the blood of the bullock, and then put it on the horns of the altar with thy finger, and then pour all the blood beside the bottom of the altar. Praise Jesus. Go back to verse 20, verse 11. Okay, thou shalt kill the bullock therefore before the, the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Okay. Oh, sorry, this is not. Praise God. Thank you, Father. <clears throat> Praise Jesus. Okay, this is verse 30. Okay, this one is not working anymore. Okay, this is verse 30, um, from verse 1. So that's where he was giving the instructions of the altar of gold, right? He called it the altar of incense. Okay. So that shall make an altar to burn incense upon, of shitting wood, shall thou make it. Then he gave all the dimensions of it. Okay. Then verse 10. So verse 8, sorry. And there was, this is, so you see this altar barnacle, right? 
Everything in chapter 30 from verse 1 is just talking about the sanctuary, sorry. In the sanctuary, this is the altar of incense in the sanctuary, right? Verse 7, it says that, and Aaron shall burn sweet incense every morning when he dresseth the lambs, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighted the lambs at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout the generations, and shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burn sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall ye pour drink offering there. Are you seeing verse 9? So there is a sacrifice where you do burnt sacrifice, you do meat offering, and you pour dirty drinks and things upon. That's the one outside. But this one, it says, you shall offer no strange incense, no burnt sacrifice, no meat offering, neither shall you pour drink offering there. Verse 10, it says, and Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement once in a year shall he make atonement upon it throughout the generations. It is most holy unto the Lord. Are you seeing? Upon the horns of it. So, and the way he does it is by what? Taking of the blood and rubbing it. So that's one level. Then the next level, which is the altar of the most holy, right? Which is actually the mercy seat or the ark that has the mercy seat upon it. And that mercy seat is another altar itself that doesn't take rubbing of blood, but it takes blood at a specific resolution. That is the, the word sprinkling. Say sprinkling. Sprinkling means highest resolution. What you sprinkle, what you pour is liquid. What you rub is liquid. What you sprinkle are almost like particles. It lands as particle. It's like, it's very, very, are you getting what I'm saying? So when you sprinkle something, it's like, it's almost, it's not a splatter, it's sprinkle. It's different from a splatter. It's a sprinkle. When you, to sprinkle, it means that you will have very tiny, tiny, tiny drops that are dropping. It means that no matter how tiny it divides, the ark can receive it. And it has something to, it can detect what is inside that blood. So it means that any, when blood arrives at that altar, there is, is the end of sin. That is the end of sin. That's the end of sin. That's the end of sin. You've reached the end of sin. Praise Jesus. So that blood is talking about, when you say the blood of sprinkling, let's quickly go back and round up because of time. From that Hebrews chapter, chapter 12, glory to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. So, so Hebrews 12, verse 24 said, unto Jesus, the mediator of what? The new covenant, and then to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. So the blood of sprinkling. So it's not just alone the quality of the blood that has to do with 
this, the power of the speaking of the blood. Or it's not just what is in the blood or anything. When it's the blood of sprinkling, they are talking about the resolution of the blood. So, so that resolution is tied to the kind of word. There's what you call the word of sprinkling. So they can pour word. You can rub word. I'm just trying to, I'm using, <laughs> it's the Bible to giving us all this sense. Then word can be sprinkled. Right? When a sprinkled word is harder to receive, there's a kind of heed that must be given. More earnest heed. There's a kind of, it's called hearkening. Only hearkening can receive, can detect the speaking inside a blood that is sprinkled. Do you understand my, my sense to you? The conversation of sprinkling, what that sprinkled blood is and the altar, what they are conversing together, you can't hear that thing. It's not easy to break into that kind of speech. But there's a, there's a man called Jesus who is a mediator, who mediates in that kind of world. He's a, he's a high priest who mediates in the realm of sprinkling. So it means that there is no hidden conversation of sin that Jesus cannot hear and stop. There is no secret conversation of sin inside the soul of a man, inside the blood and the DNA, the spiritual DNA of his soul, that this mediator cannot, cannot detect. Do you understand? In a, when a lower ministry is present, a lower ministry will be dealing with sin, but while he's dealing with sin, sin is having a more secret, encrypted conversation. Things are still ongoing in a more encrypted way. In a, more, in, a more, in a more resolved kind of level. So dealing with sin in a, in a soul is a complex matter. You need a high priestly ministry. There are things inside you and I that only Jesus can deal with. Only the ministry of Jesus at this level. So imagine a soul hears at the level of pouring and say, I'm okay, I've, I've, I've heard everything that there is, all this revelation, everything I've tried. I already know where you guys are all going, so it's time I'm, I'm done. You haven't even, you've not even engaged yet the priestly aspect. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, that there, are, there are deeper, more invisible conversations of sin that it would take arriving at a place, a higher place of judgment. It's called the realm of God, the judge of all. When the soul gets to God, the judge of all, the soul, you need a mediator who can understand that language. Yes. It's a kind of offense someone can commit. When you go to a certain court of law, the grammar that the, the, the judge is speaking, that's why they say don't try to represent yourself in certain cases. <laughs> you know, maybe to save money in my field. Someone can say, okay, well, I was not, I'm, not, I'm innocent. I, I didn't do anything, so... I would just get there and say, I didn't do anything, prove it to me. You didn't do anything in your own mind. But by the time they open the case and George now begins to talk about it, you yourself, you might, they might finish the whole case. You didn't understand one thing they said. <laughs> and if case is not taken, they will summarize the whole thing and then they will, before you know what's going on, it's already sentencing time. <laughs> it's time, time, to, time to read out your sentence. You didn't know what happened the whole time. <laughs> Because you are not learned. 
in that world. So, so, so you can commit offense, you can carry, this is the thing, let me not use the word offense, you can carry a sin, that you, in, a sin at a level that you are not learned concerning. Do you understand what I mean? You're not learning a lot of the things that plague us, that disqualify us before God. We don't even know that those things are in us. In fact, we can even see them, so you might not even be a sin. You don't know how this thing can be an offense to God. Because you can't hear the conversation that that, that, that genetic information inside your soul is raising. That conversation, that conversation can be high blasphemy. It can be beastly. You know that kind of nature of Revelation chapter 13, blaspheming God and his temple and everyone. Now, do you know that later when the now, when you know when the false prophet appeared as a lamb? You know, he came as like a lamb that has horns that all men were celebrating. That being who all men were celebrating, inside him was flowing the blood that blasphemed heaven. Everything that blasphemes God. Blasphemed all the worshippers in heaven. And men were celebrating him. Worshipping him. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So this thing about mediating for your sin, don't underestimate the kind of sin you are carrying inside of you, inside of your soul that is latent. Might not even have expressed yet because the circumstances for it to show itself might not have a reason. But there are things inside of you. But thank God for this mediator called Jesus that doesn't mediate at a lower level. He's not a local boy in the spirit. He handles what he called the blood of sprinkling. See, blood of sprinkling. There's nothing higher than the blood of sprinkling. It's not a small boy blood. It speaks better things than the blood of Abel. See, blood of Abel. Blood of Abel. Imagine what kind of blood is that? That has something better to say than the blood. Abel was a righteous man. Abel was a what? But his blood, the, the, the message of his blood was still was lower than the blood of the courts, the temple. Do you know, well, yeah. Because it's the blood that, according to the design of the spirit, the blood was not even offered on an altar at all, was offered on the ground. That's it, so, so, so when you step down from that bro- bruising altar, and you come outside the domain of the tabernacle, you now find Abel's blood on the ground speaking. But that's also, he's also a high speaking. Very, he must be very close to the temple. Very close. You know, the way of all men are born of a woman, no man has risen like John. But he now said that, but he that is what? The least in the kingdom is greater than he. So when we're talking about the least in the kingdom, the least in the kingdom is he, Who's, who has come into the, 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 the message of the poor blood of pouring or the blood of sacrifice according to what? The, the brazen altar. So it means the first 
The first blood of an altar is the blood of the least. Is the blood that 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 is responsible for the configuration of being least in the kingdom. Do you understand what I mean? Is the blood of that altar that's responsible for that configuration of being least in the kingdom. That blood, he said, is still greater than John, who was just the little senior brother of Abel. All of their blood is on all were offered on the ground. Same thing with John the Baptist when they requested for his head and they beheaded him. I'm sure his blood followed as well. The blood of Abel. That was the blood of their order, of, of men who were just at the, before the gate of the kingdom, almost entering. But, but the blood was speaking from the ground, just outside of the tabernacle, outside of the kingdom. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But next time, maybe God will help us. A, they, they, they are contrasting something. There's a reason why they are not. Why would they be contrasting that blood of sprinkling with the blood of Abel? Why? Because those two, they are the bloods of men. Yes. They are the blood of two sons of God who arose from the earth. But they are not of the same order. When Abel's blood is speaking, it's at a level. It's at a level. It cannot talk to sin. It can't assault sin the way the blood of Jesus can. This is a time of that blood speaking. Say better things. Better things, better things. Don't grow weary and tired of hearing better things. You might not be able to plot out the map of how he's helping you. Why? Because it's sprinkling. It's too, the resolution is too tiny for your conscious mind to detect. But it doesn't mean that nothing is happening to you. It doesn't mean there is an inward secret reaction that the blood of sprinkling is doing with all those things that Satan has put and driven into our, our soul. All the viruses and all the sicknesses of sin with one purpose, to disqualify man before God. That's just all Satan's purpose. That After a man lived all his life feeling like a Christian, good Christian, feeling righteous all the days of his life, that when it comes to it, he will be disqualified before God. That's Satan for you. He's a devil. He's a doer of evil. But thank God for Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. Father, we thank you. Karima Zuta Zipra Suteli Prabhuhata Kiendoli Kamiya. Shepriya Alvrata Ekamira Hutanasa. Setara Mahuri Bahura Mahuri Kamire Intali Marika Pariza Ukrit. Shemiha Hashti. Father, 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We exalt you, Father. You're the one who gave us the Son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Thank you, but have everlasting life. Have everlasting life. Have everlasting life. Have everlasting life. Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we might know Him that is true, and we are in Him that is true, even, even in the true God, eternal life, eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. This is the revelation you've given us, and we, we should know that you are, the Son of God has come and has given us eternal life, and that this life is in His Son. His in his son it's in you jesus it's in you help us help us this is our quest we desire nothing less than the life in you in you jesus the son of god help us today all that has been said concerning you tonight come let mercy make us recipient of it help our heart help our soul help us reshape us mold us Break us, rearrange us, oh God, to be compatible with the offering, this offering which mercy has given us. That no soul will fall short, Lord, of these things, this great provision. Great, great, great high priest, our mediator, our mediator, our mediator, mediate, mediate for our soul, mediate for our heart, mediate for us. Help us, help us, help us, help us by your blood. Thank you, Jesus. We give all the glory to your name tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all trust and leading and grace and just to speak your word. Take this word and Holy Spirit, interpret it aright to every heart and let there be an impartation of the grace therein. Thank you, Father. We give you glory to your name. In Jesus' name, we pray. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth.